Welcome to the Own Your Choices, Own Your Life podcast. I am your host, Marsha Van Weinsberg. I'm a business coach, speaker, and author of the best-selling book, When She Stopped Asking Why. On this podcast, we will use the tips, tools, and strategies used by myself and our speakers to break through and overcome the challenges in our lives. When we take radical responsibility of our choices, create boundaries, grow our courage and practice self-care and letting go of what isn't ours to control, we can completely change our stories. When we take full ownership of our stories, we take back our personal power and this allows us to impact, serve and support others by showing them that they are not alone and helping them find freedom from their stories. When you own your choices, you truly own your life. Let's dive in. Welcome back to the show today. I am thrilled to have this conversation with Sarah McCready and to share her brilliance with all of you. Sarah came into my life probably about three or four months ago and we connected and it was just such a powerful connection. I love the work that she does and you can hear and really sense like who she is in this episode. Such a very calm and soothing energy that comes right through the podcast recording. It's so beautiful. So Sarah is an intuitive, toxic relationship coach and Reiki master, solopreneur, and lover of all things self-care, healing, and wellness related. Sarah's passions are working with energy and intuition and normalizing spirituality for everyone. Sarah is the creator of the Evolution Path Program, a healing and recovery journey for women who have been in toxic relationships. This was created to help other women heal and recover more quickly and gently from their emotional trauma and grief and to provide a source of inspiration and wisdom so that they never feel alone in their healing journey. This is the program. This is the work that Sarah wishes was available while she was going through her own patterns and toxic relationships. So today we dive into how to recognize if a relationship is toxic and most of the time knowing that it's almost difficult, it's difficult and almost impossible to recognize a toxic pattern until you are actually outside of the relationship. We talked about how to share vulnerable stories while always speaking in full integrity of the other parties. And when we learn to share more about ourselves, we'll be able to connect with others and build the relationships that we have been craving and searching for. And lastly, we talk so much about how to be grateful for the awareness of her role in the repeat patterns and relationships. And really, this is relatable to all of us. As we look at the patterns we continue to repeat in our life, we have to recognize that we are the common denominator that keeps showing up in these connections, these relationships. And we can break that pattern when we can see it. When we see it, when we recognize it is when we break it. And this is how lasting, long lasting change was created in Sarah's life, which then allowed her to fully step into her role to support others on their journey too. This is such a beautiful and powerful conversation, and you're going to feel Sarah's energy right through this episode. Welcome to the show today, Sarah. I'm so thrilled to have you here. Thank you, Marsha. I am so looking forward to this conversation. I am excited to share my story and um, have this deep dive with you. Mm, Me too. We actually connected online. We've already done a session together where we actually like did some deep dive. 
Mm-hmm. And you live up the street from me, not street, but like yeah. relatively speaking, we're, we're neighbors, yes. we're neighbors, which is really <laughs> cool. Cause honestly, that doesn't happen too often. I spend so much time talking with people from the States, like out in the West coast. And you're like, no, 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 this is where I live. And I'm like, oh, you're like up the street, literally. Yeah. So yeah. Um, yeah. have you uh, always lived there? Are you, is it Brantford? Yes, I'm in Brantford now, um, and that is part of the story, the background story. But no, I spent about 20 years in Toronto. I was downtown Toronto uh, working on Bay Street. I have a very deep corporate background um, that, yeah, has completely transitioned. (laughs) I had another um, uh, friend say that to me, someone I have met in the last year, and she's a friend and a client. And she also said the same thing. I can't picture yeah. what it would have been like if I had met you on the street, you know, three years ago. What? <laughs> oh, I can't. I look at it and I'm like, I don't see it. So I we're going to dive into you and yeah. your story more. Can you share um, what is a superpower of yours? Oh, that's an amazing question. Um, My empathy, that empathy runs deep and it has always been there. Um, Compassion, hearing other people's stories. I have always been interested in other people's stories. So the superpower from that is the connection, being able to connect to other people and really connect on a soul level. And, you know, not just that superficial, hi, how are you, but really make a connection with somebody. And um, yeah, that's the superpower for sure. I can say that that is 100% truth. Like that is exactly what you do is you make the time to connect. And I love that. That shows through and through. What is something that people do not know about you? Oh, uh, well, that I have a very deep corporate background. Most people aren't aware of that, um, that there is this type A personality that still runs in the background um, that has shaped who I am today. It has softened, but it is definitely very much a part of my persona. And um, yeah, learning to embrace her and... (laughs) work with her instead of against her. But yeah, the type A and the corporate background are the biggest surprises for people. (laughs) Uh, There's so much here. Um, So how long were you in corporate for? 20 years. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, I went to school for advertising and marketing Mm -hmm. and I was going to work in a big ad agency in New York. That was the dream or Toronto. Mm -hmm. And when did the dream, when did you realize that the dream was not what you wanted it to be? Mm. So it took a really long time. I got a job out of school um, in working for a public utility, actually, here in Brantford. So I am from Brantford originally and then moved to Toronto. And so working in that job um, allowed me to see that I did want to be in corporate, but I needed to be in Toronto. So it took a while and it was a very long circuitous route before I finally landed in Toronto and I landed in a public relations firm when I finally got there. And it was many years down the road, I transitioned from um, public relations into financial services. And it was, you know, at year 18, basically, that I had realized that this was not going to be the path for me, but it wasn't so much 
the work as it was my relationships that were um, highlighting that my path needed to change and that I was not where I needed to be any longer. Mm -hmm. And with your story, I know that it's not just relationships, that it's on a deeper level that you have come through a lot of experiences. So wherever you feel comfortable, I would love if you would share part of that journey, because as hard as that journey is, it's propelled you into the work that you do today. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I have a 25 year history of toxic relationships and that actually does tie into the work, but it was my intimate personal relationships, romantic relationships that um, had really made, um, made it obvious that life was not working for me. Mm-hmm. And it was um, the final relationship that I had. It, I had gotten married and getting out of that relationship after only a very short amount of time. It was like maybe three years that we were together. We had been married for two. Mm-hmm. And um, when I left that relationship, I left because I was sick. I was physically sick um, and I was also emotionally and mentally unwell. And it was during that healing journey that I started to discover how these toxic relationships had been showing up throughout my whole life, including in my career. Mm -hmm. And that was um, such a revelation because it took a very long time for me to piece it together. You know, it was um, six months out of the relationship, out of my marriage. And I was still deeply, deeply grieving and uh, had not stopped crying. And then it was another nine months total when I realized that I had been in a toxic relationship and that there was emotional abuse involved. And it was connecting the dots in that relationship that allowed me to look back at my previous four relationships. So there was four long-term relationships over a 25-year period. Mm-hmm. And from that um, revelation and introspection, I then began to look at how that those patterns of behavior were showing up in every aspect of my life. And it was, um, it's been a long process. So it's, I've been out for three years now from that relationship and there's still learning all the time. Um, I am still growing and still learning, but those first, I'd say two years were the biggest, deepest emotional dives I had done to date. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you for sharing. I know that's not easy. And I, I would love it if we, so I want to go into your story and how that led you to here. Now, I just want Mm. to pause for a second. If somebody's listening, how do you know it's a toxic relationship? I realize that's a personal, what's the word? It's a, it's a, it's a personal knowing like, cause everybody has a different level of what we want, but how, what can be a marker or something for someone as a red flag that this is a toxic relationship? So like I said, it was nine months after I was out of the relationship before I even identified that I had been inside of a toxic relationship. So it's not something that is 
blatantly obvious if you're not aware and you're not looking for it. And it was through learning, learning about toxic behavior that I was able to reflect on my relationships. So some of the things that were um, seem obvious now, but weren't at the time was how one-sided the relationship was. Um, I was thinking that I was participating in a partnership and because the uh, toxic behavior is so subtle and so nuanced, you are led to believe that it is a partnership when in fact you're the one doing all the giving. So, um, you know, financially I was paying for the majority of things definitely in the previous three relationships I had paid for everything. Mm -hmm. And in, in the fourth relationship, it started out 50, 50, and then it very much became more of my responsibility than the other party. Um, so things like that, where you, you're the one giving the time, you're the one giving your energy, you're the one giving the finances or financially, those are things to be aware of making sure that words and actions align. So I was always being told, yes, we're in a partnership. Yes, we're married. Yes, we're a couple. Yes, we're together. And I was only focusing on the words. Um, I wasn't looking at what the actions were behind that. I was always thinking, well, he says we're married. So therefore we're married. I wasn't looking at the fact that um, there was again, no reciprocation. We weren't doing things together as a couple. Um, he had pretty much gone off and lived his own life. We had, you know, we were leading separate lives. There was zero partnership there. But when you're in that stage where you're not, where you're not understanding what's happening in your relationship, that's a cue as well. It's a cue to take a step back and really start to examine what is happening versus what you wish or want to have happen. Oh, that's a good one because we all have this dream of what we, we foresee like our marriage being our partners, our relationships. And so what you're saying is it's very easy to get inside that relationship and not be able to see that this is not at all what we thought that it was. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And I think you talk about this a little bit too. Um, I was very much operating from my, uh, the limbic brain from the, you know, my inner child, you know, the little girl, I waited a really long time to get married. I was 46 when we got married. And it was a big deal to me to get married. I, I had a lot of weight yeah. on that commitment. And that commitment meant something to me deeply and profoundly. And um, so, yeah, when you're operating from that, you know, childlike perspective or your inner child perspective, which I was, mm-hmm. um, it, it drove a lot of my reactions, right? It was the, the one thing that kind of kept me holding on when it had become very obvious that the relationship had fully expired, <laughs> I, I, I could not, I could not, um, I couldn't let go because I had this vision. I had the dream. I'd finally gotten married and yes, we were going to be partners. And, 
And so you, you, get, um, you get a little bit blindsided and you don't focus on what actually is happening. You focus on what you want to happen. And, and then that's when you start doubling up your efforts again, without anything being reciprocated, then you try harder, you know, the people pleasing kicks in. Um, I, I call it abandoning myself. I absolutely abandoned myself inside of that relationship. And um, again, I see where that showed up in my corporate life as well, where mm -hmm. I was giving more time than I was being compensated for. Um, and the same thing in my, you know, romantic partnership relationship, there, there was always more being given than what was receiving. Um, and so those are those are big cues. But having taking that step back to have the awareness, the other thing that occurred for me in each of those four relationships was, I would ultimately end up unwell, physically unwell. So one of the reasons why I ended up leaving um, my marriage, the, the impetus to finally get me to leave was um, I had developed a lung infection because there was mold in the house and mm. I'm highly allergic to mold. Same. And having a conversation about having the house remediated was an argument there was no desire to have the house remediated. And um, so I was physically sick and I was having a hard time breathing. So between the stress and the mold, um, I knew I needed to look after myself. You know, that's, I call that divine intervention. I was just going to um, ask you if you saw it that way, because it's absolutely. like, yeah, I knew you would. <laughs> I get that. I think it's that that's where it's like, okay, I've tried to show you. The universe yeah. is like, I've tried to show you all these different things and you're not seeing it. So there's no, only other option is to like make you sick yeah. to recognize that, wait, this, something has to change. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And that's typically what had happened in the previous three relationships. I would be mentally or emotionally broken down enough that I knew I needed to retreat and look after myself. It was always, yes, uh creator stepping in to say, look at enough is enough. You need to <laughs> go and mind your own business for a little while and heal yourself. So in, in the interesting thing about all three of those previous relationships was it was always a leveling up. So there would be this mental and emotional breakdown for me. And I would take the time to heal. And I would take the time to get stronger physically, mentally, and emotionally. I would identify patterns of behavior that were occurring inside of those relationships, but always looking at the other person. I was never really looking at what my participation in those relationships was until this fourth and final relationship. Um, it was always, you know, their toxicity. And, uh, you know, there was uh, drugs involved in one of them, alcohol and another gambling, you know, there was, uh, you know, a highly toxic behavior that was happening. So it was very easy for me to continue to point the finger at the other person and say, oh, it's their bad behavior. Never once considering that I was tolerating that behavior, that I was accepting that behavior, that I was allowing that behavior to be okay in my world. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
there's so much that you said there. And I mean, I just, there's so many different ways I can take it. First off, thank you for being vulnerable because I, you know how much I appreciate that. And you're allowing people to see themselves in, in your story. Now, let me just go to a couple things you've said there. Like it really didn't change until you saw your role in those relationships. So I guess I have a two-part question is when you looked back, could you see those patterns that you continued to go for the same person, same situation, et cetera? And then how do you, how did you learn how to look at those patterns and not judge yourself? Because this is, this is something that I see so much of mm-hmm. is people are like, oh, I'm so afraid of what people are going to be thinking and saying about me. And I'm like, no, it's our judgment of ourselves That is the biggest problem. And that's what keeps us stuck. So that was a two-parter. So when you look back at it, you can look at and see like where were the patterns that you, you could see the repeat in them. And then how did you learn to look at that with like self-compassion and empathy? Because go back to empathy from the very beginning. Mm. You are a very empathetic and compassionate person. There's no question. But have you always been that way towards yourself? Okay. Let's unpack that. That's an amazing question. Thank you. <laughs> So, okay. Um, Yes, my patterns. So yes, I was able to look back. um, Once I stepped on the path of awareness, I was able to look back at all of my relationships and see the type of person that I was attracting. And then what happened after I saw the patterns of the type of person I was attracting I then began to see my patterns that were showing up that were allowing that to come in. So um, what I recognized was that I was basically going to Costco to shop for caviar and that somehow in my my sorry, (laughs) so good. Sorry, keep going. Somehow in my I call it half awareness in my half awareness, because I I knew that there was, you know, toxic patterns occurring. um, But I hadn't quite identified that I was the common denominator. So through the the final relationship, when all of this started to be revealed to me, I was able to see that it was a pattern of behavior on my part. So again, that idea that I could go to Costco and shop for caviar was very much coming forward in all of my relationships. And and what that looks like in real life is there weren't any boundaries. My conditioning had been um, in a codependent environment. And so I only knew how to relate codependently. I didn't understand independence or interdependence within a relationship. And that also showed up in the corporate environment, um, having very codependent relationships, being over familiar too fast. You know, most of my uh, romantic relationships, I did live with all three of the relationships prior to the fourth one, which was a marriage. Um, They were all common law relationships, and they all happened very, very quickly. And so, you know, that intimacy factor happening within weeks, 
uh, and moving in together within months. And in the work environment and the corporate environment, it's like, again, giving, like spending hours and hours and hours working for somebody and not being compensated for that extra time and energy, you know, taking away from your own life because you're giving to an employer. So yeah, these, um, these behaviors became obvious that it was all codependency and lack of boundaries. And um, the, the biggest aha for me in the healing journey. So like I said, it took about a year before I even understood about the codependence versus independence and interdependence. I was in therapy for a year, like counseling. And um, it it was through those conversations that I started to learn about codependency and how it shows up and how I was having a codependent relationship with myself. That was, you know, one of the sessions um, I remember we were about six months in and my counselor had said to me, you know, you can be in a codependent relationship with yourself. And I was like, what? How is that possible? <laughs> what does that look like? And, and so I had to go home that night and really unpack what that meant. And again, seeing how I was abandoning myself. Mm-hmm. So through all of this, I did have empathy and compassion for myself. I was not, um, so to answer your question, yes, I have always had that. Yes, I had it for myself. I didn't beat myself up for having gotten into this relationship. I was grateful for having the awareness that I finally had, knowing I would not be in that style of relationship ever again that that pattern had been cleared. And I also began to understand that this was generational trauma that I was working on. You know, uh, I've said previously that I had cried for six months straight and it was around the six month mark and I wasn't done crying that I was wondering what was happening. And it occurred to me one day, this isn't just mine. This is my mom's, my grandmother's her mom, you know, my great grandmothers, like this is many generationals and not just this lifetime, but other lifetimes too, that you're clearing these habits and patterns and conditioning. And so there was a deep compassion for myself as I was going through that, because I recognized it wasn't just mine. And so the, um, the biggest aha was around that, like knowing that I wasn't alone and that there was um, other people out there who had gone through this. I was not in connection with them at that time. I mean, that's segueing into why I'm doing what I do today is because, you know, I didn't have these conversations with people at the time. I, you know, I was learning about codependency through my counselor and um, starting to uncover boundaries and what that really meant. But um, I, I knew that there was women out there who were experiencing similar or same, and that this was a much bigger conversation. And I hadn't done anything wrong, and it was um, 
it was through the recognition that this was happening for me, not to me. And again, that took a while. That was like a good year before I stepped onto that level of the path and recognized that, oh yeah, this is absolutely happening for me. Mm-hmm. The, the, the heartache or the heartbreak, the biggest piece was I felt like my innocence had been stripped from me. So whatever I, you know, I never approached life with real those colored glasses, but I did have what I considered innocence and feeling like that had been stripped was my biggest heartbreak. Mm-hmm. Um, but that I'm happy to say has been healed as well. And I no longer feel that way, but that, that was, that was a lingering if, you know, if there was anything where I was not feeling compassionate from myself around it was like I had been stripped of my innocence but I didn't realize that that was still another piece of healing another piece of the onion to be pulled back yeah there's so many pieces of the onion thank you for (laughs) sharing all of that there's so much that hit there and you know I I want to really emphasize for people who are listening that one of the reasons I believe why you were able to move forward and do the work that you do now is because you were able to have gratitude for the awareness of the pattern that was repeating as opposed to anger, resentment, frustration, comparison, all your lower vibe emotions, the more you would have sat in that no change would have happened. You would have just been stuck there. So learning how I know this is like, this is such a piece Um, I resisted it for a really long time too, but coming to a space of recognizing that, okay, what is this doing for me? Like, how Mm. is this helping me grow into something that I am meant to do? And the four, when you like, just be, have a heart though, because if somebody, not you, but anybody listening, if you you have a friend who's in the middle of like a really difficult time, I can't tell you how many people said to us then back then, well, this is happening for you. I'm like, seriously, like Mm. when they're in the middle of pain, Yeah. but as you start to grow and it does take time, you can then look at it and go, okay, well, I actually did have, that did have to happen that way in order for me to take these steps. The other thing that you said, again, um, for anybody like really listening to Sarah's words is that peace on codependency and lack of boundaries. The codependency was a trigger for me when a counselor said you need to read on codependency. And I'm like, I'm a codependent. Like that's yeah. ridiculous. <laughs> and it, it literally took like one page and I was like, Oh shit. I so am. And then I didn't realize it was with myself too. Those are patterns that come up. So yeah. really spend some time reading on that. That is yeah. really powerful. I just love everything that you've shared. And I would love to dive into like, how did I know there's a lot of healing there and you fast tracked through that, but mm-hmm. how did you get from there to the work that you do now? Where was that turning point where it was like, you know what? I think I'm actually supposed to do something with this. Yeah. <laughs> that's a, that's a, again, another divine story. Um, so in addition to going to counseling, I was also receiving Reiki. Mm-hmm. I had um, reached out to a friend at the time uh, after I had left my husband, and I said, um, I, I need to do something or see somebody um, because my nerves were beyond. 
and she had recommended Reiki and I had never heard of Reiki. I didn't even know what it was. I mean, I sort of knew of it, but that was the extent of it. So Mm -hmm. I went for my first session about two or three weeks after I had left uh, the relationship. Oh, it was through, I saw her for a very long time. I saw her every couple of weeks for a few months and it was through receiving Reiki that I was able to start to piece together what was happening to me emotionally because the Reiki has the ability to calm your nervous system. And because I had been so undone for like two years, basically, I needed a lot of settling in my nervous system to be able to process the emotions and to be able to process the experience. Um, So it was through the combination of therapy and Reiki that I was starting to become aware how powerful the Reiki was and that there was something to this tied to the healing process and that it needed to be explored more. So the woman that I was receiving Reiki from had um, invited me to work with her clients with a light therapy system that I have. So um, she actually is the one that saw the potential, if you will. Um, And because I've always been empathetic and empathic, and um, again, wasn't fully aware of the extent of that empathy. (laughs) Um, I was intuitively working on people as soon as, um, as soon as she basically gave me permission to go ahead and do that. So I started uh, doing monthly clinics at her place. She has a private practice. So we were doing Reiki and light therapy, and I was intuitively reading people's energy. Mm-hmm. And um, so it was going to be a side hustle. I was like, well, this is really cool. And who knew that I could do this work, but I really like it. And I'll keep my day job, but I'll just do this on the side. Mm-hmm. And as I was healing more and more at the end of 2019, I began to see how toxic my then work environment had been, I realized that I was sandwiched between, you know, a toxic home life and a toxic work life, Mm -hmm. uh, to the nth degree, like some of the stuff was off the charts toxic. (laughs) So I no longer aligned with being in that office, it was not healthy for me, I was also getting sick while being in there. So I decided that I was going to start my own Reiki practice and share my experience of healing with other women. And so I had resigned from corporate in December of 2019, and I was going to open my doors in March of 2020. That's part of the story I remember. So people are unreal, unreal. So uh, I actually had there was a matrimonial home involved with my ex. And so we had agreed that we would fix the place up for sale. So I had uh, finished work in January of 2020. I committed all of February to fixing up the house. Mm -hmm. And then March, I was supposed to travel to Portugal 
And then when I came back, I was going to open the doors to my practice in April. So um, we all know what happened. There was no, the house got fixed, but there was no trip and the doors didn't open to illuminate a joy. <laughs> and it was actually, again, good timing for me personally, because I still needed some time to get my feet under me emotionally. Um, and so I spent that summer at my parents' cottage up north in Halliburton and just continued to do more healing, more processing and, um, you know, align myself with this business and really do some more research on how to get this business going. And so I opened the doors to what was going to be an in-person practice in September of 2020 and I had a few clients, but um, with the global health crisis being what it was, we had been open and closed and up and down. Yeah. And, and Ontario took some really big hits. Can we just yes. say that a second? We did yeah. some places. Yes, that's right. Yes. It was a very different experience here for sure. So um, we were closed again in December of 2020. And um, I kind of wondered what was going to happen next. And I felt I knew that this work could be done. So the Reiki can be done through video calls as well as in person. And I knew that it was time to pivot. And again, I met the right people at the right time. And basically a year ago now, I moved all of my business online and started like really diving into social media and Instagram mm -hmm. um, and, videos. and videos and networking. And um, I spent a good eight months really just putting my all into this, putting everything I had into it mentally, emotionally, and physically. And um, I've learned a lot. And it was always with the guidance, like the divine guidance, it just seemed like every step I took, another piece was revealed that uh, kept showing me, yes, keep going, keep going, keep going, you're on the right path, this is for you. And your clients will show up. And so, you know, I started meeting people networking through zoom, because we were all doing zoom then. And yep. <laughs> Yeah. And so, and just learning how to, and where you come in is really learning how to share that story in a powerful way. And that's what I, I loved about our work was I was really hung up on how to communicate this message for others in a way that it would land for them, because you're right. It's, it's a much bigger story than what I've shared here today, but learning through working with you, how to share that story powerfully has really changed things for me again. So you and I did our session in, I think it was February, the end of January, right. early February. And yeah, um, connecting so much more with my audience now and generating new business and meeting new women that again, it's just more proof that I'm where I'm supposed to be, that this is the path and there is, there's wisdom to be shared. I, I didn't go through that 25 years for no. nothing. <laughs> no, and that, no, not at all. Wow. Thank you for all that you've shared, because 
I think when it comes to sharing your story authentically, powerfully, and allowing people to see you, you just did this exactly today. This is exactly what you did. And I've seen you and I've seen how you show up. And I I have just, it inspires me so much. And I want people to, who are listening to really just let this sink in. You can live a really difficult, traumatic story, sometimes multiple ones on repeat. And people say, you don't understand. I can't share my story without hurting others. There is nothing that you shared today that was, that was too much info or too much There was no victim mindset words there. It was all of the space of ownership. That's what can happen when you learn how to speak from that space and to hear how you are relating and connecting to people and helping others. Like it's just, it's beautiful. Honestly, Mm, you heal first. Yeah. You heal first. And then it goes from there. I interviewed somebody the other day who really spoke on generational trauma Mm-hmm. And she said something that in her research, I, I do not know what it was, but I can tell you what she said is that when you heal yourself, you actually can heal seven generations back and seven generations forward. Yeah. And yeah. I just sat there and I was like, what? And she's yeah. like, you will heal. Like you can heal backwards and forwards. Yeah. And so this is not, so yes, we hear a lot of talk about generational trauma, but mm-hmm doing the work and committing, you can create such a massive long lasting change in the lives of others around you that without ever trying to change anyone. That's right. That's right. It all begins and ends with you. And that's exactly why I thank my clients for doing the work. And anyone I meet who has done the work, I always say thank you because we are all connected. And this is why you are when you're healing yourself, it is generational healing that you're doing. And like uh, your guest said, it is seven lifetimes, um, seven generations back and seven generations forward. And it's again, not just this lifetime, it is other lifetimes that you're healing, which is the the future forward aspect of it. Um, It is powerful. And, um, you know, I realized, like I said, when I had not been able to stop crying, and why was it so heavy? And then it dawned on me, it wasn't just mine. I wasn't just healing my um, last broken relationship. I was healing my parents and my sister and my grandmother and my great grandmother. And yeah, for, you know, four more, five more generations back. And I'm now also healing for my niece, nieces. Mm -hmm. I have two and, you know, their children and on and on it goes. And so we are all connected. And when you heal yourself, you are healing multiple generations. And it is heavy work, but it is absolutely worth it because you can, you're leaving a legacy for the future generation when you are taking the time to heal yourself first. Mm-hmm. That is on I just thank you for saying all that. It's such a deep conversation, but so powerful. It's and it's not ironic. Like I did a post this morning on my eight-year-old self. And I shared a picture and I very vulnerably openly shared how, you know, some of the words and the thoughts that I had, and it's like, it was not very loving. Let's just say that. And, but as I look at it, like I, we have to go back and appreciate that, 
you know, our younger self was doing the best that she could to get us here. She worked really hard. And honestly, like it's being real, like I wouldn't be here if she didn't fight like she did. And you wouldn't be here if we can't go back and hate on ourselves for not doing things the right way or not doing things fast enough or whatever that is. It really does require like healing requires going back and pouring love back onto ourselves when we were in those situations. Absolutely. You do not know what you don't know, but once you've shone the light on it, you can't unsee it. And there's no point in being angry at what happened in the past because you can't undo it. You're only working in the now and the forward and um, being grateful for those experiences that occurred knowing that they're never going to occur again, because you now know what you know. A hundred percent. So when you say that you are an intuitive Mm. relationship or Reiki coach, and we're doing work over zoom, Mm -hmm. tell me what that looks like for people who are listening. So I am a reader. I read energy so I can read your energy and I um, apply that. I use that to be able to have conversations with my clients to help pinpoint their pain points, to help them go back into the inner child space and have those conversations. And then I use the Reiki or the energy healing to help process those emotions and those experiences. Uh, Like I was saying earlier, it allows your nervous system to settle down and it opens you up emotionally in a way that's safe and gentle for you to process those experiences. So I meet over Zoom or in person and we are typically 90 minutes, sometimes two hours and we have conversations. There's um, a coaching program specifically that I have. My Reiki sessions are different from the coaching program. So a Reiki session is typically just the energy healing that we do. And you usually feel something and it's the Reiki or the energy that's being sent to you. So yeah, kinetically, I guess, is how to describe the work that's happening. Yes. Beautiful. I love it. And anybody who's listening can hear your energy. There's like, you can hear it and feel it. So if this is something that you are looking for support with, and I mean, none of us do anything on our own. Like we just don't, we don't, there's, we, it's so important to stay open and look for support in maybe some areas you hadn't thought of, especially it's interesting because, you know, I heard Lisa Nichols say it, on an interview about a month ago. And they mentioned to her and said, you know, look at this multi-million dollar business that you have built. And you, there was a time when your son was younger and you couldn't even afford to buy pampers. Like that's her story. She didn't have dollars to buy. She had to wrap them in a, in a towel. And they said, what would you have gone back and told your younger self to get here faster? She said, I would have gone back and scrapped the strategy. I would have spent the time on myself, my healing, my own like self-worth stories, my limiting beliefs, because at all times you are your business. So if you're listening to this and you are somebody who is like, I don't know if this is what I need, like you don't actually have to be in the thick of trauma to be able to look for this support. I just want to yeah. clarify that you are your business. So, yeah. you know, what's going on up here is going to dictate what happens out here. 
That's absolutely it. I work with coaches as well and not, yeah, not that they're in trauma, but that they have had an experience at some point in time in their youth that is causing a different perspective that's not allowing them to step into their fullest and highest potential. And they recognize there's something there, but they don't quite know what. And so with the energy healing or the theta healing is typically what I do in those types of scenarios is again, we're able to identify what the pain point is at what time in your youth and remove that limiting belief and install the new higher empowered belief. Oh, you're speaking my language. Yeah. I love love this. So where can people connect with you and find you the most? Primarily Instagram, right? I'll make sure all of your links are there, but is it primarily Instagram? Yeah, I spend um, a lot of time on the gram. I have a website. It's illuminatedjoy.com. Instagram is at illuminatedjoy. Mm -hmm. And yeah, there's um, single services that I offer, energy healing services, Reiki or Theta Healing. And I have the coaching program called The Evolution Path for women who have left a toxic relationship and want to do a deeper dive on healing the trauma, the drama and the chaos that comes out of those relationships. And so um, we have those conversations around codependency and boundaries and that self-worth. That's such a a large component of um, this old patterning and conditioning is that self-worth piece. And then the energy healing, like I said, that that runs through everything that I do because it's such a vital component to being able to really move through your healing journey. So yeah, Instagram and the website. Beautiful, beautiful. Thank you for all of that and for everything that you have shared today, because there's just, there's so much value there. And I know it's going to hit home for a lot of people as it did for me. Like it really did. It's just, I I love the work that you do and the energy that you put out into the world and we just need more of it. I really feel like we need so much more of it. Yes, I absolutely agree. And thank you so much for your time today, Marsha. I'm so glad we connected. And I love that we're neighbors. <laughs> I know, me too. I absolutely do too. I have um, one more quick question for you. Yeah. And it's kind of a closing out one, but it is what lesson in life are you most grateful for? Oh, well, the one we just discussed. <laughs> I am so grateful and happy now that I have learned what the toxic behaviors that I have been contributing to for the last 25 years. I am so eternally grateful for that awareness now um, and how it has completely transformed my life. So yes. Beautiful. Seriously. So beautiful. Thank you for sharing and for being here today. Um, So just grateful you, you hit a chord for me today that I really needed to hear. Thank you, Marsha. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Own Your Choices, Own Your Life podcast. If you love this episode, please submit a rating and review on iTunes and please share it with someone you think could benefit from hearing this message or this podcast. I love connecting and meeting you. So please screenshot the episode and tag me on social media or Instagram stories at Marsha Van W. And until next time, remember when you own your choices, you truly own your life.